thank you everyone for being here and taking part in this webinar, either as a listener and a panelist. That is very, very, very important because we are celebrating for the whole month of April autism awareness and neurodiversity so thank you for joining this is going to be our agenda for today so we're going to keep it as brief as possible one hour so that we can get a lot of information out of it but also be able to interact afterwards if you're interested in reaching out to any of the panelists Let's get into it. As mentioned, yesterday was World Autism Awareness Day. We didn't want to do this panel uh, yesterday because we thought that people might have to work from home. We wanted that more people could have access to the knowledge. So we decided to do it today. Again, thank you for taking part. And I will stop talking too much. We will start with our first speaker for today, Dana. I will let her introduce herself. Dana, please uh, take the stage. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Adina, so much for inviting me. And I will just talk a little bit about my experience, who I am, and, and my experience with autism. Hopefully, some of you, you will feel uh, that there are some subjects or parts of whatever I'm saying that either inspire you or raise some questions. So I am a mother of um, two children, two adults in fact, now young adults. One of them, my son, my first child, uh, 24 years old now, and he was diagnosed with autism when he was four years old. I will not talk about all my experience as a parent. I will want to stop at one idea. The idea that is behind every parent that has a child with disabilities, no matter which ones they are, and also the idea or the obstacle that all of us, we encounter when we are face to face with a person that doesn't fit any category in our mind. That obstacle, in fact, it is our fear. Whenever something is not entering any file, any description, anything that we we know already and we have no possibility to give it a label. This is something that happened to me also as a mother, so 24 years ago. My biggest fear was before I've, I had the diagnostic for my son, it was the fact that I wasn't a good mom. I didn't know, I just could feel that something was off and it was my first child, so I didn't know what was off. I just thought that I wasn't good enough. It was a, a big pain for me and it took all my energy because I was just so preoccupied with what I could do better. It took me three years, in fact, when I had my daughter, I could see the big difference in how she was responding to my love and to my care. And suddenly it just hit me that I can let go of that fear and just open up. Once I could accept that opening, everything has changed. In fact, 
I think that for all of us, being more open, more inclusive means going away or not listening, the natural fear that comes into our mind when something is not exactly how we expect or how in line with what we know. My son right now, he is 24 years old, but just to tell you a little bit, he has been going through, of course, all the pains and together with me, special school, tons of therapies. I, I became his therapist as well, and I did that for about eight years. Right now, he is studying, he's doing his master in animation in Vancouver, living independently after being also for other three years in living independently in London. It's not only a success story. It is a story of struggles and pain. Life is not necessarily all good. It is for him right now as hard as it is for all of us. It's just that he needed also to get used to the fact that people around him might give him a label. Even now, although he's living independently and he's managing very well his, his life, still some people might label him with weird or um, strange or whatever, freak. Uh, any labels that other people make them feel more secure. All of us, we have our own share of pain. And um, I'm not here to give lessons for sure. I'm here only to open up and help you all to understand better the people that in your life that are not necessarily fitting any category and help you also to be able to open up your heart, become more inclusive and grow from it. Because if there is something that I would like to share with all of you is the fact that as a parent of an autistic child, the biggest lesson that I have learned is the fact that I wasn't punished. It wasn't a bad luck. It has been my blessing to go through all this experience you see even now i am still quite emotional about it it has been my blessing i wouldn't have learned so much without all this pain so i would like to invite you every time when you're tempted to give a label that it is more or less <laughs> equal with less than Think about it. I would like for all the parents that are listening to somehow have a magic wand and help you to change your perspective and to see that this journey, it is a wonderful journey. It's not easy, but no journey is easy. But it is one of growth for you and for your child and also for the others to change your perspective to see that all those people that are not thinking and functioning the same way as we do, they are more than autistic. They are more than person with disability. They are more 
than just a label. You have to look beyond your fear and see the talents that may, might be hidden. Um, to see that they have more things that they offer you to be curious about and discover about yourself and them. They have more challenges that they offer you to overcome and feel together great about. They are offering us more opportunities to grow by opening up and being inclusive. And they are offering us so much more diversity to be, be rich from. I don't want to take too much. I think that I passed the 10 minutes that uh, I had to speak, but I hope that this message can get to your heart and understand that every time when you are in front of someone that looks weird or behaves weird, it might be some something, some treasure behind that you are invited to discover. Thank you, Adima. Thank you, Dana, for sharing. Every time I hear Dana talking, she makes me cry too. She shares her story in a very emotional way. I would like to invite our next speaker, Kate, to share her thoughts and her story. Kate, the stage is yours. Hi, everybody. Adina, I will need your help to move around my PPT, so please don't cry. I'm gonna just take a step back and I need to tell you guys, I'm also a parent of an autistic teenager right now. He's soon to be 15. I'm gonna try and lighten our mood a little bit because of course, every experience is different. I just wanna also focus on the day and this month that is in front of us that we are gonna use to bring more acceptance and awareness to autistic people. So actually today I'm not going to talk much about our own personal experiences because I think this is a topic for another, another time. I just want to share more about how actually autistic people around the world see this day and this whole month. In my PPT, I just actually presented a few screenshots from online uh, social media and uh, some accounts I am connected to and I follow. Why I want to show you this? Because those are autistic people, already adults, already grown-ups living their lives. And I just want to advocate for this mindset. They are adults and they earn their money. They live independently. Of course, not everyone but there is a big percentage. So finally, because of social media, they have abilities to share their lives with others. And they also have the abilities to just let their voices be heard. So I think this is an amazing opportunity for them and I'm happy to get involved. Why I use this uh, screen that you're seeing now is because uh, autistic people yes of course they are aware that there is the world autism awareness day but now they want to reframe it and use this month as autism acceptance month what is the difference between these two world autism awareness day was already established 15 years ago and it focused on um bringing awareness by sharing the stories and making you know new opportunities to increase acceptance of autistic people and foster worldwide support. But Autism Acceptance Month aims to provide information and resources for communities to be more aware of autism, promote acceptance and be more inclusive in everyday life. So this is the important part. 
like uh, Dana mentioned, if you see a person that doesn't fit any frame you're already known with, uh, maybe uh, being aware that there are different kinds of people, there are different kinds of neurodiverse people can also help you step back a little bit and just not judge the person. What actually autistic adults are now going forward with is trying to let people make a difference between just being aware of autism and accept autism as it is. Because being aware means we know it exists, but do we know what is it? Because, for example, before we had our son, I myself also believed that autism means people who always look to the floor, people who always rock back and forth, you know, the stuff you see in movies. But actually, it's not just that. It's way more, and it can be really... Um, a great experience and a great addition to family life. So I want to share this with you, but I also want you to see how I changed some of the wordings just to see, just to show you how the language is changing and how the whole perception is shifting. Because of course, um, yes, autism ex exists for a while. Okay. This was my son. <laughs> so autism uh, not exists for a while, but we are aware of it for a long time, but still we are learning so much about it, which means there will be new things to come, which also means the language will change. So as you can see, the photo says there is no cure, but there are treatments. But I want to say there are support services for autistic children or adults, and they should have this kind of access. This is why we don't want to stop only on people being aware autism exists. We want to expand and let them be um, able to accept the differences autistic people actually have and express. Now, don't try to change, start by understanding. What would that mean? Autistic people, they have specific characteristics, behaviors, uh, specific tastes and specific ways to do things. Yesterday I saw uh, a great video that was shared by Adina and uh, maybe somebody from Gafe that actually described how we even do similar things, but if a person is already diagnosed as autistics, the, the surrounding would actually see the things they do as something very weird, awkward and unacceptable. This is where we need to change our point of view. So if you notice some behavior that is not considered normal, you know, uh, it's their normal. So what can we do? How can we just go forward with it and accept this? What is really right now important for me, and I want to really emphasize that, is that autistic children, they grow into autistic adults. They don't stay kids forever, which means they would need support, acceptance, understanding, even when they are older. As a parent, I remember when my son was younger and anytime people around him wouldn't know he's autistic, whatever he would do, they would, you know, take it like childish game and he's just playing. But now he's already 15, he's as tall as me. So when we go outside, if he has something to say or if he has some behavior, it can look different. You know, he's gonna grow into a man and then just, you know, having the adult body and sometimes not so adult behavior can be a problem from somebody watching from outside. So this is what I want to mention. We should have awareness and be just 
clear with the fact autistic kids, they grow into autistic adults. They don't stop being autistic when they're already grown up because autism is not an illness. It's a condition and it's a lifelong condition. So there is no cure and uh, there shouldn't be any cure. We should just try and help autistic people uh, have more support opportunities to find jobs and to do their jobs properly. I would like also to mention there are plenty, plenty job opportunities that could be amazing for them, not only serving coffee or something simple. I bet everybody here knows about some very famous movies like The Avatar or Marvel Studios, any movie you can pick. All those movies, all those special effects in the movies are done by an autistic uh, group of people. Their name is Essential Minds and uh, you can find them online. You can check. They are doing all this amazing stuff, even giving some tuition for autistic kids or just helping them achieve this kind of um, uh, skills so they can work in this very interesting field. These two pictures are also from online. So what I want to show here is the blue photo, which used to be what we were aiming for, autistic awareness, yes, like awareness about autism and the people. What is changing now? As you can notice, first, uh, color blue was picked because at that time, people thought only boys can be autistic, which is not true. Then, as you can see on the picture, there is a puzzle piece. There, there are words like tragedy, afraid, suffering, burden. And actually also color blue is also known to say like, oh, I'm feeling blue today, which means I'm feeling not so good. I'm feeling not so bad. Now, autistic adults are going forward with not only awareness, but acceptance. And you can see how the second picture is much lighter. It's white and it has a lot of different colors, like a spectrum of colors because autism is a spectrum. And it has encouraging words like inclusion, teaching, respect, accommodations, community, support. What you can also notice is the first picture has a hashtag lighted up blue, but the second picture has a hashtag red instead, which is why I'm wearing red today, because I want to show my support for real autistic people, not for uh, neurotypicals who want to talk about autism, but actually for real autistic people. I also found this, if you can see, uh, there is a watermark and it says this is made by a mentee who was age 14 at the time they made this. Awareness means you know I'm here. Accepting means you're happy to see me. So this is the huge difference I wanted to mention today because we are all aware something exists, right? But when we come into contact with it, this is when we show if we can just deal with it properly, deal with it in a right way, or we are just aware and we just set back. As parents of an autistic boy, we had a lot of friends back home who were of course aware uh, he is autistic, but most of them, even some family members decided to stay on the outside. They didn't get involved with his growing up. They didn't get involved with his uh, socializing or anything. They would just give some unwanted advice every now and then, but actually they didn't accept him as he is and connected with him. They were just aware and they stayed outside. So this is the difference. Acceptance means you're happy to see me and you accept me as I am. So let's see, words typically used when people are only aware of autism. Those words would be, see again in the blue, in the blue square, challenging, therapy, cure, burden, 
treatment, syndrome, disorder, deficit, lost, behavior, symptoms, but words used when autistic people are accepted. First word I can spot here is support, then community, then identity, then accommodation, then love, understanding, self-care, unique, celebration. I believe everybody, no matter if you are neurodiverse person, neurotypical person, everybody would for sure wish to be identified by the words in the green box and then by the words in the blue box, right? So this is also a screenshot from, um, I don't want to say famous, it's not the right word, but active autistic adult who has a Facebook page. And of course, I'm not going to read this all throughout. I just wanted to put it here so you can see this is written by an autistic person who used to be an autistic child. So, you know, they do exist. <laughs> of course, we know as family members, but for people who don't have an autistic person in the family, they might think, you know, people just grow out of it and that's just uh, kids, you know, something. But actually it isn't. So this is written by an, an autistic person, and this is also the explanation about why we are wearing red or we are uh, wearing gold for Autism Acceptance Month. Uh, he also gives some other tips here, and such as that most autistics prefer identity first language, saying like, I'm autistic rather than I have autism or I'm person with autism. So he's giving some interesting tips here and um, he also wanted to let us know this is a post he made uh, two days ago what are better symbols and better colors if you want to go to social media or just try and uh, help somebody understand so here he also speaks about why we wear red in april red is the opposite of blue right because blue is the feeling of not feeling very well and red is always a color that makes you feel more happy in Western cultures, red is the color of love, but in Asian cultures, red is the color of luck. Uh, another one is gold, and the gold is connected, they connected it to the periodic table of elements because gold is represented by the letters A and U. So they use this connection to, to say that autistic people of all genders uh, have value and without needing to be cured or solved or fixed. They need to be accepted. This is another photo from online which is explaining what autism acceptance is. You can also see so many words here like diversity, treating autistic people as people, unconditional love, paying my autistic employees, real jobs for real pay, equal education, working with my headphones on if I need to have this kind of support system. So this would be my 10 minutes. Maybe I went a little over, I'm not sure. But this topic is really uh, always uh, interesting for me and I want to help more people have some understanding. So because this month is about autistic people, I wanted to talk about them, not about me in the parents' role or me in the teacher's role or, you know, something like this. I wanted to focus on what they are talking about, what they are thinking about and what they actually need. I'm going to give the stage back to Adina and thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Kate, for sharing. And I think we have a very good uh, lineup today because we had Dana talking from a parent perspective. Uh, we had Kate talking from autistic people's perspective as much as she can. And uh, next we have Tiffany 
sharing with us her thoughts uh, from a, a teacher, special education teacher perspective. So Tiffany, uh, the floor is yours. All right. Okay. Thank you, Adina. And thank you, everybody. And hi, I am Tiffany. This is actually the 10th year I am being a special education teacher. And I actually work with students who has behavior needs. They have different levels of autism. Some of them can, uh, some of them are verbal and some of them are nonverbal. And they all use all sorts of devices to support them. And they work on all sorts of different goals. And that's really make my job as a fun experience for me and actually uh, special education is um is kind of similar to another sort of teaching uh, profession but actually it's a, a lot of different uh, a lot of differences it really does make uh, my job i will say it's really unique um, I used to teach in small size program. We do like one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two and usually up to like seven children in my program so that I really get a chance to know my student in a very personal level. And I would say all the students that I have in these 10 years in my class, they have so many talents and I really enjoy to getting to know each student so well. And I will say all of them in the special education setting, those kids are amazing kids. Mm -hmm. And they have so many talents and they're so kind, they're really gentle. But also sometimes uh, there will have some behavior comes up that's really challenge. But what you really need to focus on is those difficulty students that they have behavior uh, needs. And there is always the foundation uh, behind the behavior and also related to, to the behavior. So we really need to try to connect with them. And once you do connect with them, and it's actually the most rewarding feeling. Right now, I'm going to do quickly through my typical day as a special education teacher and to tell you uh, what usually do I do each day and how does my schedule look like and how does it work and what are my methods so the first things uh, i will always put on the top of my day is plan and i will need to make sure there are any extra products that i need to buy for different lessons so if you ask me why i have to prepare all those things at a time i would say because the kids are in the special ed program but all of them have the different uh, cognitive level and social levels and they're working with different goals and also they're using different strategies. Some of them may have behavior plans. Some of them may have sensory diet. If you're not on the top of the game, then you're gonna lie behind and you will see the behavior where it comes out sometimes, maybe sometimes will really like drop you crazy. And I always, every day I always want to check two things should be in my program. The first is the timer, uh, especially the visual timer. The timer is actually the, key to stay on track it minimizes the behavior related to the transition because the kids will know uh, when is the time to start and when is time to uh, when is the end and they will know what's coming to the next they will be prepared and the second thing which i would say is really really important for the teacher is visual visual timetable actually can help reduce anxiety and encourage more independency and also some visual ads like social stories or like concept cartoons really can help the kids. Um, I always have a big visual schedule in front of my classroom and some kids will have their own individual schedule on their wall or on the desk. 
or when we all done with one like one activity and then we go go back to their uh, desk and then we will talk about the, the schedule again we take one picture of the schedule like a session like maybe morning group and then we move on to the next picture on that schedule so after this the kids will arrive at the school so i want them to go uh, straight to the classroom first for my expectation is that they will hand up their backpack, their coat, and get their folder, and then go back to their uh, to their seat. And we need to practice those things at the first day. I need to guide them through it, and then we practice it throughout of the day. And for the next couple of months, uh, I need to support them in practicing this whole procedural. And remember, there's always a visual on the wall near. They hand everything up. Uh, it might say first backpack, then coat, then folder, so the kids will know what they actually need to do. We should visualize all of those kind of things. And after this, it's a morning group time. So it's usually start with calendar, and we usually, uh, you, uh, we might learn how to count the months of the year and uh, the days of the week. And we talk about how is the weather like, we talk about what kind of clothes they're wearing. We uh, talk about how they're feeling today. And also we talk about, uh, we greet each other. And sometimes we will sing a song with the YouTube video. And all, the, all of those things is to make sure they will have a good beginning of a day. And then after this, I will give the kids a very simple task to do. I actually, I actually have a morning, uh, a morning group banner, uh, which sometimes just with little tasks, uh, maybe sometimes just just a puzzle. It doesn't matter. Uh, what I want is for this time to be an independent task time. I might be well let them to do uh, give them a sensory box with shaving cream or with water base, and I want them to be independent. The goal is for them to come in and easy into their day and also start to getting their brains moving. And after this, all of those things finished. I think it's the academic time, which is really important for the kids. Uh, we used to do the small group uh, academic. So I think it is actually the, how to say, the majority teaching will happen at this time. Uh, I will set up the workstation for them. We will went through the visual schedule. So now they will know, okay, it's the, maybe the uh, reading time. So I will choose the group and I will call the name of my students. They need to get the stuff they need and come to my, ta uh, come to my desk. So uh, every time at the beginning, I need to be some, some of the kids, I need to be next to them as they walk to my small group table. But by the middle of the year, and after they understand the procedural, um, and then they will have no problem of it because we, because I show them uh, enough times and we practice it, and we also reward the correct procedure over the time. After this, we will start to do the academic things. Sometimes could be writing or the reading, um, those kind of activities. I will collecting the data as they are doing their different thing, and then uh, still the timer will goes off. Actually, we never walk for more than 15 minutes. Uh, it's really up to the short attention span for the kids. So uh, after this, the kids will get up. They will have a short break between one of uh, one to five minutes long, and then they will go back to their seat and, re uh, and repeat the whole procedure again. 
And also I will have an independent uh, workstation for them. But uh, normally at the beginning of the year, or if I have the new student, I will not start with it because you really need to build it up. Um, I will set a table in my classroom where they will go and sit and they will have all the work laid out from them and we practice it um, almost look like you get your work from a bin or a box and then you put it on your table, you do the work and you close it up and move to the next work. Um, I usually mix this kind of station into their small group time so it will look like one or two students do the guided reading uh, with math, another one maybe go to the writing station desk, and then, and then another kid will go to uh, the independent work. But uh, we need to be really careful. It's like the things you put into the, uh, the independent workstation should be the things they have already mastered. If they are um, they're independent with the higher level, and then you need to put the things in uh, lower. The, the level below so they can get uh, more independent to finish the work. Yeah, and after this, we will have the lunchtime. Uh, but lunchtime is not meaning that you as a teacher, you all have a relax, enjoying your coffee or sandwich. It's actually also a challenge for a teacher because, you know, for the special ed kids, they will have um, a lot of food severe food allergy, they will have food diet. Um, sometimes they're kind of food picking. So they are comes up with some behavior. So you also need to do a behavior plan. But on another hand, it's also the it's the great time uh, for the kids to do the to practice their life skills. Uh, and also you are have uh, you will see a lot of the like so uh, social interaction uh, during this time, uh, like if the kids are eating uh, the lunch provide from the school and then they need to know, uh, line up and then they need to try, uh, they need to initiate a conversation for requesting their food and the kids can also to be the server to serve the food to the others. So if you are like, if you bring your lunch from home, then you need to go get your lunch box uh, from your backpack and then go put it into the microwave and heat it. Yeah. So after all the things finished, then we will have a whole group session, which I really like. Um, we usually do science or social studies, life skills, um, art or music at that time. We will give a lot of some, uh, a lot of like fun games as a whole group. The kids get a chance to uh, you get you actually get a chance to listen to what they're saying, and then there comes up a lot of chance for the social interaction, um, uh, for them to practice. And we will do sometimes we will do cooking, cook a pizza, or maybe do some uh, like art project together. So the kids really get a chance to work in partners, and yeah, I think they really like this kind of things. And after this the kids will go home and the building will become too quiet. But it doesn't mean for the, but for the special, for the teachers, it doesn't mean it's the end of the day because you will have a lot of meeting. You will, maybe you will sit, uh, you will have 20 minutes, sit with the speech pathologist for the, con the consolation and then another 20 minutes to uh, have the consolation with the occupational therapies. And also you will do uh, co-planning 
uh, with the with the teachers in your program as well. I think this is really important for the teachers to listen for the other suggestion. We put all the different pieces together to add a whole picture for the for the for the kids. So uh, we get to know how we're like how the kids is progressing, and then we need to know we get to know where we uh, which part we should modify, we should adjust. Yeah, and also after this. Uh, Sometimes we will have a IEP meeting, which is the great time for the whole IEP team to sit together, uh, which including the maybe the case manager, the teachers, all the system and the speech pathologist, uh, the uh, occupational therapist, the physical therapist, and sometimes maybe the psychologist. We sit all together with the parents. We review the previous IEP to see if they master the goal and then we like set up the new uh, goals for the kids we make uh we listen to the parents to um help them to solve the the problem they have uh the maybe they will grow up some problem we will uh, we will help them to solve it yeah and after this uh after all of those things uh, you will have um, and then you will have your own personal time so at that time you will um, you can do some preparation uh you will write some brief conclusion of the kit and send it to the parents to do some communication and also you can clean up your classroom and you i think that's all of my day but it's in a like brief way to give an introduction of you for uh teacher's day um you can see uh, there's a lot of we're so busy we have a lot of paperwork to do and sometimes you feel really stressful and and anxiety but on another hand what i want to say is like when you see the kids progressing and when you see the parents um you will feel that's really it's a rewarding time for you when you see the kids are uh, smiling to you when they say thank you miss tiffany i love you miss tiffany and that is the things make me to stay uh, in this job for 10 years. And also I will, I think I will go ahead to do it. Yeah, so I think that's all. And thank you for your patience to listen to me. And I will give the time back to Adina. Hi, Adina. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for sharing and, and helping us understand a lot better how, um, you know, from adding another perspective to the table.